something we've uh, just become aware of or came to our recollection is that this church was founded in 1930. So in seven, six and something years, we'll be celebrating a hundred year anniversary of this church. So all of you can be here for the hundred year anniversary of this church. I guess we need to tell the kids, start planning. <laughs> Start lining up speakers or something, you know. We did a, a homecoming here in the 90s. How many remembers that? Okay. That was, uh, we had, I mean, there's names that we've in, intended to record. I think we talked on the board years and years ago about uh, like a, a wall of fame or something like that for the past ministers. And... Um, leaders in the church, and it doesn't take much time before you don't have an, enough folks around that remember, you know, to go that far back. Um, I think it was, I think Brother Corin spoke at that 90s meeting, is that right, Mom? And we have that on our, actually on our website, that recording, and he goes through the founding of this church. I think we've played it before, and I mentioned it before, and he talks about needing to secure this land and I think it was him that was called upon to provide $50 to help secure this property. Needed an extra $50. And the folks in the community had put up some money, but they were short. And the church was founded and, and started on dirt floors. Uh, actually, in the process of running wires for the sound system, I got to see the original floor of the church crawling on my belly. Back and forth, up and down uh, up and down uh, the, uh, underneath here. It gets really skinny right as you get up here to the stage because the floor slopes downwards. Um, <clears throat> not the first to be down there, I'm sure. A lot of work has gone into this place over the years, and we're thankful for all the efforts and where we are and where we're going. Um, but it's just been, it's been a blessing to be a part of it, and it'll continue to be a blessing to see things improve. Give a hand for Pastor Debbie. $5 to the one who can name the song that I played first when the prayer time started. Oh, come on. I'm not that old. Reach out to Jesus because he's reaching out to you. It starts out that says, is your burden heavy? Then you bear it all alone, but you're not alone with him because he's reaching back to you. I want to talk about something this morning. I told the kids and Don, I mean, uh, Terry and Jan, that last week I felt like the message was so strained and it was so hard and I was very disappointed in myself and disappointed in the whole thing. It didn't turn out like I wanted it to at all. And Terry said, I'm praying for you. I went into my office on Thursday and I sat down and it just literally poured out of me. I just have to say thank you, Lord. Nothing that I did, nothing, nothing, no credit to me in any way. It was all him, all the Holy Spirit. Before I get to the scripture, I want to just talk a minute, if that's okay. 
Talking about stirring things up, Don talked about the heritage of this church, the building, the people, the work, the effort, the money, everything that went in to making this place what it is. It's good for us to remember these things and look back. Those of you who know me very well probably would agree that I'm not the most sentimental person that you have ever met. I'm not. But maybe it's because the fourth anniversary of Jim's homegoing is getting near. I've had a lot of memories coming up lately. And these memories stir up times and events and feelings and elements of our relationship that was spread out over 46 years of marriage. Next year would be our 50th. I remember one funny thing. Riding down the freeway, going from our home in Alameda, if you, those of you know, know us, he didn't go to this church. He went to a church he was already pastoring in Alameda. So when we got married, I moved there. And we lived there for a couple of years until Doug started coming along and we needed to get closer to family and different things. Anyway, we were driving down the road and there was an 18-wheeler to our right of the car. And in those days, he drove a, I uh, can't remember the type of car, big, huge Ford, blue Ford car. And it had a bench seat in the front and I was scooted as close to him as I could get in the front seat. And I looked at this truck and I said, I wonder what's in that truck. And a minute goes by and Jim said, hey, and I said, what? And he said, hey. And I said, what? I'm right here. What? What's in the truck is hey. Oh. And we laughed all the rest of the way to San Jose. And then he never, ever let me live that down. He teased me about that for years. Someone recently shared with me that they'd found their high school yearbook and reread what they'd written to the girl of his dreams and whom he eventually married and how every word that was written in that book way back then as an ardent pursuer of his, his uh, bride-to-be was still true today after many beautiful years of marriage together. I've made mention several times recently about my mom. She's been gone many, many years. And I had a dream about her that I shared with you a few weeks back about the dog bite. My sisters and I reminisce about my dad all the time, always with laughter. He was a funny guy without trying to be funny, but he was, and we miss him terribly. Jan sends a photo to us about once a year of Daddy sitting right there where Don sits now, playing his bright orange bass guitar, me at the piano, and Don right here, the three of us. Such a beautiful sight, beautiful picture. These are great memories, precious people in our lives, and times past 
But you know it wouldn't be healthy to live in the past or even to dwell there for too long of a time. But the fact is that our past has formed us to such a degree. In the last few weeks, we talked about how God looks back at the past and he directs our present and our future according to his word. Our past serves as guideposts to us today for what we have facing us in the future. The Bible talks a lot about remembering things. For instance, God told the children of Israel a million times, do not forget this, that, or the other, to the point that it probably seemed monotonous to them. But it's because they kept forgetting. In Joshua chapter 4, God told Joshua to have the priests go back to the Red Sea and erect the memorial stones at the point of crossing the sea so that they would always have the memorial to go back to to remember God's tremendous, miraculous deliverance of them out of Egypt's bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh. And the writer wrote there in that, in that passage that those stones remained there as a memorial until that day, the day of writing it in the book. In Deuteronomy 19.14, and then again repeated in Proverbs 22, verse 28, God told the people, do not forget the landmark stones. Don, again, the Holy Spirit guided your words and used what you said right along with what the message is about today. The landmark stones that would mark their property lines when they get to the promised land. He told them to go back to those stones and remember their own place and do not dare move your neighbor's stone, for that would be a sin. And so graciously, God offered them assurance that the remembrance went both ways. If God's people would remember him, would remember the things of the past, he would remember them in the current time. Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and they listened to what was said. And in his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name, the book of remembrance in his presence. If you would turn to 2 Timothy, first chapter, probably a familiar portion of scripture, but I want to look at just a few verses here. Paul was in prison and he was writing these letters to his dear young friend in the ministry, Timothy, whom Paul had installed with the people there at the church as the lead pastor in Ephesus, which was in Turkey. Verse 3, Paul writes, Timothy, I thank God for you 
the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, constantly I remember you in my prayers. Verse 4, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Verse 5, then Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why we remember things, what was put inside by those who loved us and shaped us. Verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands upon you. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. King James says, a sound mind, but the New Living Testament says self-discipline. How in the world did that get in there? Oh, the hard part, isn't it? Paul goes on to tell Timothy not to be ashamed of his heritage in the Lord. His grandmother, Lois, taught her daughter Eunice well, and they both taught Timothy well in the ways of the Lord. I read that Jewish history says that Eunice was, and Lois, of course, was a Jewess, but Eunice married a Greek. So Timothy had influence of different uh, religions and different ways but godly ways from his mother and his grandmother was so instilled in him, he, fought, he followed them closely. They had done well in teaching him so that he needn't be afraid of what others would think about him. He needn't have been ashamed of the gospel, nor even of Paul's plight of being in prison, as Paul admonished him not to be. And Paul was telling him this in case things got hard for him or others that he knew and loved, that he would be able to rely upon the memories and the teachings of his grandmother and his mother. Paul assured him, Timothy, you're young, but you can be the strong leader that God has gifted you to be. Because his foundation had been so well prepared and those landmark stones had been so well laid in him and carefully placed by the women in his life. I ask you this morning, can you remember some important landmarks in your life? I can. I can remember a time especially on Sunday nights. We were gathered around the altar right here, only there were two of them at the time, seeking for more of God, seeking for forgiveness at times in some of the surface services, seeking for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in others, or maybe just a closer walk with thee.
In the book of Acts, Jesus told the disciples, go wait in Jerusalem until the power from heaven falls upon them. He'd already gifted them. You recall, I believe, in the book of John, he blew upon the disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. But they had to wait until the gift was poured out by the Father who sent it from heaven. So they were in the upper room seeking God just as we used to do. We don't have to wait any longer for the falling of the Holy Spirit. He's already here. He's already been given. But maybe we do need a trip back to the memorial stones to remember the gifts that God gave us, to remember the deliverances and the wondrous works that God's done throughout our lives. Or maybe you don't have ones you can remember and look back on. Maybe your, your heritage wasn't of a Christian nature. You can seek new ones today. Maybe we, like Timothy, need to activate, stir up, and fan into flames those gifts that are in us. Because I've played the piano here so long, since I was 15 years old, most of my time seeking the Lord has been sitting on, well, on that piano bench first, and then this one for the last probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years, maybe more. And I guess that's why it feels so natural for me to pray and minister from there. When I come here by myself, I always sit at the acoustic piano. It's my favorite, always has been, always will be, I'm sure. The sound of it is so beautiful. And there's something about it that's tied directly to heaven. I absolutely believe that. I, uh, I recall others, too. Now, they're not here this morning. Jan and Lori weren't able to be here. I recall one Sunday night standing right here, right there. Lori was going through a hard time in her life. And she was standing there quietly just with her hands raised, praying, and Jim walked up to her and laid his hands on her and prayed for her. And when he did, something broke in her. And she began shouting and dancing, and people had to scatter away and get out of her way or get hit. I remember many others in these altars around these altars, on the platform, wherever, with tears flowing, humble hearts, hands raised, crying for God, more and more of God. The seekers, I'll refer, them, refer to them as, those who were desperate to touch the Lord, being in no hurry to leave, no hurry to get on with Monday morning's 
calls of responsibilities and duties because it was more important at that time to spend the time seeking the Lord. Yes, I know we can say that those were different times. It was a different day. But I will tell you this. Our need for God is no different. Our desperate cry for him, whether it's just a closer walk, whether it's a deeper experience in the Holy Spirit, or whether it's your very first time seeking a savior for your sin, has not changed. And certainly, the Holy Spirit has not changed. I don't have the power within myself to activate your gift. I don't have the power to fan the flame of your heart. That's your job. Paul told Timothy, do it yourself. Stir up the gift and fan the flame that's in you. But if you are hungry for the Lord as I am this morning, would you be willing to come and meet us at the altar here? As your pastor, I want to lay hands on you and I want to pray for you, but you have to be the one to stir up and call up and ask the Lord to renew and rekindle. Go back in your mind to that memorial spot and say, Lord, I thank you for what you did for me. I know it was your hand that got me out of Egypt or out of the Red Sea being pursued by Pharaoh. I think we need to remember the old landmarks of meeting with the Lord. Remember those times. That's why I played the song, Reach Out to Jesus. He's reaching out to you. And in the remembering, stir up that gift. I know we now have different Bodies, different knees, different ankles and backs and things that may make it a little more difficult. But I know this, if you make an effort to draw closer to the Lord, he's going to meet you there because he will not leave you alone. You don't need to kneel to reach out to him. You can stand or you can sit, whatever works. And Don's getting a video ready to play that I asked him to prepare. I want you to know right off the bat, I absolutely love the ministry of this man. He's spirit-filled, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and it comes through when he plays those keys and it blesses my heart. Because I miss playing the piano at the end of every service. That was something the Lord called me to do. Well, actually, the pastor, Brother Watson, <laughs> said, you're going to. And I said, but I don't know how. And he said, the Lord will teach you. 
And he did. And every Sunday morning, I'd be sitting there, and I'm not kidding you. Halfway through the service, the Lord would say, just whisper, play this, play that. That was him. Certainly was not me. If you can listen just to your heart and listen to the calling of the Holy Spirit on your heart strings and you want to come, I'm going to be down here. I'm going to have a bottle of oil. And if you want prayer, I'll pray. But I want you to fan the flames. I want you to go back in your mind and in your heart and your spirit to that place where you met God, where he did something for you. And if you don't have one of those landmarks, I encourage you to seek him until you find one. Amen? Will you stand with me? I know this is a little different. But I believe it's a blessed and anointed word from God. We thank you, Lord, that you've created these places in our lives that we can go back to. Places in you, Lord, that are special. I remember one time, Lord, standing right there, the very first pew, my hands raised and tears pouring down my face, saying, Lord, I just want to be more like you. And it's the heart's cry, Lord. Sometimes things come our way that we don't understand, and we have to walk through them, but we know who's leading the way and we know whose hand holds ours and we're so thankful for it lord we ask oh god that your precious spirit rest upon and within each and every one and as we go from this place we stir up we stir up and we fan the flames of the gifts that you put within us and have a hunger and a desire to go back to the landmarks and relive those things, Lord, so that they energize us and give us strength for today. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah.